You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. to Locked on Bucks. I'm Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Eric Nim, I'm also the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Crivets, which I believe is somewhere around Green Bay. I'm not looking it up right now because Frank and I are in a hurry and we want to get this done. Uh, but shout out to our listeners in Crivets. Happy to have you. Uh, but we're going to keep it going. Frank Madden, the founder of BrewHoop.com and my good friend. Frank, how you doing? Wait, did you do Krivitz yesterday too? Am I am I going crazy? Is that possible? No, I thought I did Thailand yesterday, but I discussed Krivitz. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, you did talk about Thailand. At first, I was like, wait, there's a place in Wisconsin called Thailand. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm doing fine. Uh, you know, I'm a uh, soccer fan of of Germany and and Argentina because uh, I'm I'm a Leo Messi Barcelona fan. So the first week of the World Cup was a pretty big bummer. Um, not really much I wanted to talk about, uh, but the last few days have been much better. And today, uh, Messi scoring a beautiful goal and Argentina sort of stumbling its way through to the round of 16. I was happy. I had a good sports day, Eric, uh, coming off the weekend when Germany scored a late winner as well. Um, so Lockdown World Cup, that's your Lockdown World Cup update. Um, but, was, yeah. So are you cool with Messi on, like, international teams too? Because like, I know that's, like, your domestic affiliation, right? But, like, your club yeah. team is has Messi. But do you, do you still go for that, like, internationally as well? I do, actually. Um, and, and I'm pretty fluid, like, internationally. I mean, like, the U.S. and and uh, Germany, because I'm a you know I'm a, a dual citizen. Those are the only teams I like will consistently root for, um, and then otherwise it's more like players I like and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean I've you know I've watched Messi since I mean he was a 17 year old at Barcelona, and and I actually saw him. Uh, I saw Messi play actually in the 20, 2006 World Cup um, against Mexico. I actually went to that game in Germany. I was at that World Cup, and so um, I don't know. I've been. Uh, I've seen him, I think, three times in person, um, and he's just—I don't know—he's—he's he's one of those guys who, like, you know, I, to me, he's the most incredible player, certainly that that I've ever seen. Um, no disrespect to you know Pele and Maradona and, and Ronaldo and all that other stuff, but um, but yeah, he's—I I mean, he's just an, inc- an incredible player to watch. Um, I mean, his his records are are unbelievable, and it just sucks because you know it's kind of like when when LeBron went to the Heat, and at at, well, at some point I was just like, you know what, I hope he just wins a championship because I'm just sick of like greatness sort of not fulfilling its destiny you know Mm -hmm. um and it's kind of like that with Messi. i mean he's won everything a million times at the club level and you know five-time world player of the year um and i mean he's gotten to three straight major cup finals with argentina but they've lost all of them unfortunately to copa americas and the last world cup so um you know he hasn't won he did win an olympic gold medal with argentina but in in a club uh Sorry, in a uh, youth title with Argentina, like the U18s or something. But 
yeah, I mean, he hasn't won a World Cup, and obviously that's like the crowning thing, and I'm sure a lot of people will never consider him the greatest of all time if he doesn't win a World Cup. So, unfortunately, he's not going to win a World Cup <laughs> because I just think Argentina as a federation is a mess. But um, I was going to say the LeBron know, I, parallel is really interesting because he kind of had his chance, uh, I think, in the last World Cup, and now yeah. that Argentinian side has just woof the like just watching them is so frustrating because they don't seem to have their tactics in line they don't seem to play a coherent lineup most of the time like you're just watching them thinking how do you suck so badly like this you shouldn't be this bad and they're that bad yeah and i think he's just a fascinating character because like i mean he is arguably the greatest athlete in the most popular sport on the planet and he's like a five seven guy who's like super humble <laughs> and quiet and unassuming and it's just such a bizarre uh such a bizarre contrast to kind of what you normally think of as as you know the superstar athlete and he is you know arguably the the biggest superstar in the biggest sport in the world and you know certainly very different from Ronaldo I'm 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 a Barcelona Messi guy and I hate Real and Ronaldo although I do respect him greatly so um yeah it was tough that made it extra difficult for that first week just because it was like everybody was going nuts over Ronaldo and it was like you know one week was now a referendum on their entire careers but um yeah you know again I, I don't think Argentina has the 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 goods to 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 contend for the title but um you know I'm all root for I'm I'm ride or die with Messi uh, and, uh, you know, he's, he's just, uh, a joy to watch. And today, I think we saw that, you know, just hit the flashes of, uh, of, I don't know, like, that, I don't even know how, that like, goal, guy... how is that possible? Yeah. Like, on a, his so trail easy. leg, he taps it to himself and then his second touch lays it out perfectly for a sublime finish with his right. And it's just like, come on, that's, yeah. that's not fair. Yeah. Weak foot. Um, anyway, we've talked way too much about soccer. That's that's everyone's uh, taste of soccer. Although I needed to have that now because you know odds are Argentina loses to France, so I got to get this all out of the way now. Um, and we've got free agency coming up, and we've got news, we've got all this stuff going on. So lay it on me, give me news. Let's let's break it down uh, and and tell you everybody why it's well. I don't know how how big a deal the, the news we've gotten in the last couple of days are, but we'll at least tell you if you should care okay so we talked about having our our good friend mike clutterbuck on today he's going to get moved to probably the start of next week uh we'll probably patch him in with free agency and stuff like that to look a little bit closer at dante divincenzo and some of the numbers uh that he put up at villanova so don't don't think that you're crazy and thought you heard us say that that would be today you know how schedules work and there's three of us and it's difficult so uh he's getting pushed next week with all of that, um, this is a really strange time because yesterday there was a little bit of news about the Bucks coaching staff, but at the same time there was, uh, you know, other things that we want to talk about with the draft. There was DiVincenzo's introductory press conference, and I- I've spent, I think, the entire day uh, just listening to podcasts to attempt to get ready for our free agency discussions and kind of uh, what we're thinking about in the next couple days and what we're going to record on uh, Thursday and Friday for you guys. And a big part of that is the dunked on off season pod, which is uh, the mock off season. It looks like it comes in at about five hours. Um, <laughs> and even if you listen to that at one and a half speed, two, sp- 
2x speed, but whatever you may listen to, um, it's still going to take up a lot of your time. So um, I'm about halfway through it, uh, and you know we'll, we'll keep plugging away at it, uh, and hopefully I'll be able to get that. And then uh, the low post came out today, and they talked a little bit about Jabari Parker, so we'll talk a little bit about that. So essentially today is a news roundup to attempt to hopefully get everyone ready to think about the free agency discussion we have on Thursday and Friday, and then hopefully get you ready for free agency, which will start on Sunday at 12.01, which would be late Saturday night. So there's a lot to get to, and uh, I feel like I just explained that all really fast. Uh, so hopefully my voice will slow down a little bit here, but I guess the the coaching news that I had referenced at the start of all of this was uh, that the Bucks have finalized a deal, this is according to Adrian Wojnarowski, with Erie G League coach Josh Longstaff. Uh, Longstaff was working for Jeff Van Gundy in, in USA Basketball this summer, and he had been player development coach with the Knicks and Thunder in the past. Uh, Longstaff, Erie, um, that is, that's the Hawks G League guy right yes. uh yep. so yep. the bay uh, hawks yes I was, I was trying to think of what their ridiculous hawks based name was but it couldn't so yes the erie bay hawks uh so that was the hawks uh g league coach and um i was gonna say with him uh our good friend kale chenard who we had on or I had on it as a guest uh, right when Mike Budenholzer was hosted or was hired here in Milwaukee. Um, actually, had Josh Longstaff on his podcast earlier this week, so I've tweeted out that link. Um, hopefully, you can find that as well. But uh, they had a long, I think, like a thirty-minute or so conversation. So if you want to actually hear from one of the Bucks assistant coaches, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, once guys become assistant coaches, you know, you don't really get to hear from them ever. So if you want to listen to 30 minutes of kind of what he was thinking about in the G League and, you know, kind of some of his thoughts and philosophies and uh, some fun stories, go over and listen to that. That's 30 minutes of podcast, which, man, uh, it, I haven't listened to it yet. Uh, I talked to KL about it a little bit. He said it was good and interesting. So I would say It'll be good and interesting, and you should listen to it. If it gets bumped a little bit, that's fine. There's a lot of uh, content to take in in this kind of week as the draft gets wrapped up and we head into free agency. So if it gets pushed back a little bit, that's fine. But uh, you can hear a little bit from the Bucks, uh, the newest member of the Bucks coaching staff. Yeah, and people may have heard of him um, previously because before last season, uh, he did have that uh, time with the Knicks and um, and very young. He's, he was 33 at the time when he was actually let go or his contract wasn't renewed. And that was a big deal because uh, he was considered the assistant with the Knicks who was closest to Chris Saps Porzingis. So it was this mini controversy a year ago just around like, oh, my God, the Knicks are getting rid of, you know, Chris Saps favorites uh, assistant coach. And um, again, I, I have no um, I have no sort of idea what the background is on why he was really let go. Um but, you know, again, um, Longstaff does have a good relationship with Chris Stapps, so it will inevitably mean that the Bucks can go recruit uh, Chris Stapps in, in uh, I don't know, four years when he's maybe <laughs> three, four years. Yeah, maybe not. But, um, but yeah. Hey, Giannis so and him already have a good relationship. They've done events exactly. together in the past. So it's not, it's not that go. crazy, Frank. There you go. So, um, so yeah, Longstaff uh, led the uh, Bayhawks to the conference, the G League conference finals last year for whatever that's worth. So, young guy being brought on, you know, player development guy, uh, with obviously some some history with uh, with Bud through the uh, the Erie 
uh, affiliate uh, of of the uh, of the Knicks or sorry of the Hawks. So anyway, that is all we have to say about that. I was gonna say uh, one more thing. Our friends add two ways in 10 days um uh, we've talked about them in the past and all the good work that they do for the g league and uh all the content that they put out about the g league they named him their coach of the year of this past season for the work they did with the erie bayhawks so again if you want to find out some more about him and some of his work i think it's all readily available on the internet so you can check all of that out um i i was just thinking through this frank we didn't talk about sean sweeney being gone yeah, we didn't, did he? We, we did just we? Yeah. we just skipped all the way over that, and I guess, like I said, that's kind of what's happening this time of the year. But on was that it was Friday night, I believe uh, that that uh, got tweeted out, and obviously there were whispers of that before, um, but that got confirmed. And uh, to me, I think honestly, it made quite a bit of sense. And and what I what I mean by that is. I think it's pretty obvious that Sean Sweeney uh, would would not be the the lead assistant with Mike Budenholzer. He would not be the second assistant. Probably won't be the third assistant. Also, not the fourth assistant. He was, you know, pretty far down on that bench. And again, that isn't to say he's the worst coach ever. Like that's just to say that this is how it was going to work if he was going to stay in Milwaukee. Like obviously Mike Budenholzer has his guys and he decided to bring Sean Sweeney along for the ride. And if, if you are Sean Sweeney, I think it would have been a good thing to be a part of Mike Budenholzer's staff. But ultimately I can't imagine there would have been much, if, if any responsibility given to him, uh, we think about, you know, the relationship he had with Giannis and what he was trying to do with Giannis from a devel- developmental standpoint. We think about what he was doing with the Bucks defense. Like there was a lot of responsibility and a lot of tasks on, uh, on his list that he was kind of in charge of and working through, uh, over the years under Jason Kidd. And then finally in this last year under Joe Prunty, like there, there was a lot on his plate and all of that was uh, to me, I think going to be gone. And uh, obviously we, we saw the picture of, or I think it was a video of him in Greece with Giannis at the Nasus's, uh championship game. But uh, there was also another Vox assistant there as well. Uh, and I think you can kind of see him getting pushed to the side. So I think if another coaching staff and it was Detroit that wanted him, Dwayne Casey uh, compiling his new staff, if there was another coach that wanted him and, was going to you know hire him away from the bucks i think that made sense for him as you know kind of a i mean that's a a bit of a vertical move like if you stayed in milwaukee you were both moving down the pole and not getting as much responsibility and now moving somewhere else one you get to be in a new coaching tree and two you probably get a little bit more responsibility Yeah, and again, like, you know, if you're a young assistant, like, the best job you have is the job you have. So certainly, you know, being retained by the Bucks was a good thing um, relative to losing a job and having to go find a new one. But um, obviously, as you said, he would have been kind of the outsider uh, on this staff. And, and what, as you mentioned, the, the other assistant with Giannis in Greece, what, Ben Sullivan, I believe yep. it was, um, the guy who, who's sort of known as the shot doctor in Atlanta who – um, previously apprenticed under Chip England, the world-famous shooting coach uh, of the Spurs. So um, obviously as Bucks fans, we, we like to, you know, read into everything a lot. And so, hey, the shot doctor who, you know, is going to fix Giannis' shot is hanging out with Giannis in Greece. Isn't that great? 
yeah, sure. Hopefully. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll see, you know, who knows what sort of the upshot will be as far as, you know, for Giannis or, or anything like that. But, you know, obviously, as we said, um, in the past, I, I mentioned, you know, at some point, a fresh voice is a good thing. And, and again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, Sean Sweeney, uh, that Giannis would be, you know, um, averaging 35 points a game and a 40% three point shooter. If Sean Sweeney hadn't gotten in the way, um, clearly Giannis developed greatly under, you know, kid and, and Sweeney. And, you know, I think we can obviously argue that that would have happened probably regardless. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously I think there's a plus in getting a, a fresh perspective, especially given that there are aspects of Giannis's game that, that still can be improved. And obviously the shooting is the one where, you know, whatever, um, tweaks that, that the Bucks made with Giannis under, you know, Sweeney and kid, obviously from a shooting perspective, it really hasn't kind of paid off in a, in a big way yet. So hopefully, um, you know, again, Budenholzer with, with Ben Sullivan in particular, maybe, maybe they can be the guys that, uh, that take Giannis to that next level. Um, so yeah, fairly well, Sean Sweeney. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I guess the, we, we've got truly a, uh, uh an all Hawks sort of, uh, now staff with a, a former Bayhawk, uh, also now on staff. All right. Uh, some other news of the day, some other things that, you know, we were kind of listening to going through. Um, I think I'm going to go next to the low post, um, where on the low post, uh, Zach and Kevin Arnovitz kind of talked about some of the things that they find interesting this upcoming offseason. And they went through a number of teams that they found interesting and then they kind of ended it with a player that they find interesting and a couple players, but they started with Jabari Parker. Uh, Jabari Parker is someone that they find interesting and uh, they talked through a, a number of things. And I think there was nothing there that would surprise you as a Bucks fan. Uh, they talked a little bit about how, you know, the Bucks are capped out. Things are going to be tough. It's going to be difficult to move around. And I think, one, I hope if you listen to this podcast, you are well aware um, because that's a drum we've been beating since the start of the podcast, uh, 420 whatever episodes ago. So uh, hopefully that message has gotten across to you. So none of that should surprise you. But inside there, I thought there was a little bit of information that I found interesting. And we'll start before we get to Jabari, because there's some other Jabari news that can go with this. Um, one thing they did talk about was Chris Middleton. Uh, and why they were talking about Chris Middleton is Chris Middleton and Malcolm Brogdon had uh, I guess respectively have one year left on their deal. Chris Middleton truly has two, uh, but it is uh, a player option in that final year, which he will assuredly not accept that he he will opt out of because it will only pay him something like 14 million, 13, 13, 13 million. Yeah. The so, last two years are at 13 million. So it was a declining contract that was that, basically yep. guaranteed to, to not be uh, taken up in the, in the final year. So, yeah, obviously it gave Chris a little bit of security in case some sort of injury would happen, but with the way that he has played, there's no way he would accept a $13 million uh, deal in the nineteen twenty season. So, uh, essentially, I think you can look at this as a one-year deal. Um, And with that in mind, they were talking a little bit about, you know, extensions and whether or not the Bucs could get one done with him. And uh, with Middleton, uh, I think it would be kind of tough because – if you're Chris Middleton, yeah, um, I, I've been playing pretty good. Um, I think I'm worth quite a bit of money, and I think I want to go see if I am worth some more money. And that doesn't necessarily mean he'd leave. 
Um, I think there's quite a bit to, sit, to be said about playing with Giannis Dedekumbo. It seems like a pretty good gig, um, and it seems like you know he could be pretty high on the pecking order in Milwaukee if he'd stick around. But at the same time, uh, I don't think you're going to get me to sign an extension before I actually get to go out and test those waters and see what other teams are thinking. And uh, the. They talked a little bit about a possibility of an extension, and Zach said they would love to extend Chris Middleton, and Chris Middleton is going to say, no, thank you, which I think makes total sense, but it also uh, made me think a little bit about Malcolm Brogdon. He would be extension eligible eligible starting in, uh, I'm not good with the details, you are better with them, um, but those would be two guys that I, I think the Bucks would love the chance to extend this season before uh, either of them would hit free agency next offseason. Yeah, the most, uh, I think that was just doing the math, um, uh, I think the most Chris would be eligible for would be uh, a $15.6 million starting salary, which is 120% of his, his kind of current salary. So, yeah, I mean, that's just not a lot in the grand scheme of kind of yeah. the player type of player he is and what you expect guys to be, especially next summer when there's more cap room. So, um, you know, they could offer him, I believe the with the kind of last year being kind of wiped out of his, that 13 million, I think the most they could expend him for would be like four years, 70 million ish, something of that order. And yeah, that's just, uh, that, that would be awesome. If, <laughs> if Chris Middleton was willing to take that, if he was worried about having to, you know, get hit by a bus or something this summer then, or this year, then, uh, that that'd be that'd be you know a good thing to do but um yeah, yeah I, I was gonna say i tweeted had, it last summer when this idea came up someone had said oh you know you just next summer you extend middleton you extend brogdon and i said you know if middleton signs a second contract extension in milwaukee without hitting free agency like they should build a statue for him outside the new arena because that's just ridiculous value like the, he was already underpaid on this deal and doing it again would be i mean uh, just totally illogical so uh, again and i i think Chris Middleton is very likely to be back, um, you know, barring something very unforeseen. I think it seems like Chris enjoys being here, and obviously the relationship with Giannis seems like it's a positive. Giannis is certainly very appreciative of of what Chris is able to do, and obviously you never know, right? There's a full season ahead of us to, to kind of look forward to, but certainly if the Bucks can kind of continue to push forward, and the and assuming they obviously make him a very generous offer, which I imagine would, you know, probably I don't know. 20 million plus at this point if he sort of plays next yeah. year like he did this year maybe his three-point shot looks a little bit better um you know he's he's certainly going to do very well and um again you know especially given his age he'll be 27 to start next year he's obviously going to be you know a good player for a while yet especially um i, I think you know again his his game is so skill-based that um you know it's not like if he um he's not like a guy who you know if he gets hurt and then all his athleticism is gone then he's going to be toast or something like that i think he's a guy who i think will probably age pretty well um so yeah i don't think chris is going to get extended you know interesting with brogdon you know i'd have to refresh myself you know the the most that these second these um second round picks that you know we've seen a couple of them sign sort of their max extensions which are are not as big as obviously kind of the regular first round picks but um we've seen both josh richardson and norm powell get sort of these like i think at the time they were something on the order of like four years 40 million ish i think 42 million ish um when they signed those deals and again like you know i don't i don't i don't know what you i don't know what malcolm brogdon should be paid i was just gonna ask you if malcolm brogdon worth 10 million a year like i'm sure there's somebody who thinks malcolm brogdon is worth 10 million a year again i don't know if i don't know i mean that doesn't seem unreasonable um but 
we always talk about hating salaries in this range and that <laughs> yep. the players who sign these deals tend to be like those sort of in-between players who you know you really need to find those guys before they get those contracts rather than after they get them so I don't know. I, I don't, th- you know, again, I, I think it's going to be a really fascinating position for the Bucks to be in. And, and obviously, if they want to have cap flexibility in the summer of 2019, which eh, maybe they could have cap flexibility if they, you know, don't resign Jabari or, you know, they sign him to a qualifying offer or if they, you know, assuming they don't add a bunch of salary this summer one way or another. Um, certainly then, uh, you know, not extending Malcolm would make sense because he has a really small cap hold just because as a second round pick. So, um, so I would not expect Malcolm to be, um, to be, uh, extended. Uh, and again, he's going to be a restricted free agent anyway. So yep. there's not a whole lot of pressure to do that anyway. But, um, but yeah, it's kind of a fascinating thing for him just cause I don't even want to think about him. I'm, I'm so like focused on the, the Parker situation and then you got Middleton and, you know, Brogdon and geez we haven't even talked about what the heck's gonna happen to Bledsoe so yeah (laughs) lots more urgent things to think about and and I think what's really interesting there is we hate those contracts right like those type of contracts I'm on the record of saying I if I could build a team I would only sign contracts at the very tippy top and at the very bottom like that that is it like I, I would not mess around with anything else. And again, I'd probably have to bend my rules every once in a while because I just don't know if you can fill a roster totally like that. Um, and you, you know, you might not have the max guys that make that uh, theory and idea make any sense. But to me, that is ideal team building because that those are the only places where value is. And it's just funny with Brogdon because, you know, would I be? Would I be happier paying Malcolm Brogdon Tony Snell's contract than I am paying Tony Snell Tony Snell's contract? Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. Like I would much rather have him at that four year forty six, forty four, whatever it is. Yes, Malcolm Brogdon has much better value than Tony Snell at that value. But on the roster you already have Tony Snell. You also already have John Henson. You also already have Matthew Delvadova. Like you have a bunch of people in that middle zone where value goes to die. Uh, you have guys in that range, and uh, man, signing another one early um, rather than going to restrict free agency with it. I mean, oh, it's terrifying. So yes, I, I will say let let's just, let's just have them push the decision uh, another year. I, I'd prefer not to think about it anymore. Also in that podcast, again, if you're not listening to Low Post, I don't even know what you're doing as a basketball fan. Um, don't listen to us, clearly. Like, honestly, I, if if that if that isn't required listening, you are doing basketball fandom wrong. Um, so one, go listen to Low Post. But in that episode of the Low Post, they also talked a little bit about Jabari Parker, and that was how they kind of got to this other Buck stuff. Um, but there's some other reports about Jabari uh, that we'll also hit on, but one of the things that they mentioned as they were talking through Jabari was, you know, what kind of value does he have? Uh, both Arnovitz and Lowe mentioned that he seems very much not to be a bud guy. Um, and what they mean by that is not that Mike Boonholzer and Jabari Parker have some sort of problem with each other, but rather that, you know, Jabari might not pass the ball the way that Mike Boonholzer likes in the system. He might not play defense in the way that Mike Boonholzer likes. Um, so it, I just think 
it, it was interesting to hear them kind of talk through that and think about, you know, his torn ACLs and stuff like that. And then I was kind of surprised to hear Zach say, um, and I'm trying to think exactly how he phrased this, but it, it was essentially that um, he had, I think he had heard or um, something that, you know, the Bucks are legitimately worried that Jabari Parker will take his qualifying offer. And that would be 4.7, somewhere in there. I can't remember what 4. the number. 4.3, 4.3. I think they also, when they were looking at that on the broadcast live, I think they actually screwed up because they saw four and they were like, oh, that's not right. Because um, they were assuming it would have to be higher. But they were, of course, they not didn't get the in. starter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He didn't hit the starter criteria this year. So if he had played, I think, 2,000 minutes or started half the games, then he would have. Um, been able, he would have gotten like a you know I think it was like eight eight plus million qualifying mm-hmm. offer or required an eight million dollar qualifying offer but again because he didn't play that much you get knocked down to a lower number and that's obviously what happened so by virtue of the injury he he's getting a lower qualifying offer which obviously means that you know for him to say screw you guys um you know you're not giving me an offer or I'm not finding the market I want I'm just going to take the qualifying offer and become an unrestricted free agent in 2019. Um, Again, that's a lot, lot lower number than you know path right of of the number he otherwise would have gotten. And so, um, again, not to say that it's impossible that we get there because again, I think it's such a weird spot. I, I think it's possible that you get a qualifying offer. I think I think there are going to be a lot of free agents in general that sign one year deals this summer because they're not going to be able to get the kind of money they think they deserve. Um, and Jabari, obviously, different situation as a restricted free agent, but. Um, just given the Bucks' hesitance, it's seem or potential hesitance to really commit big dollars long term to him. Um, yeah, it, it, I think the QO is is much more in play than you would ever th- have expected it to be. Maybe certainly a couple years ago, and, and even maybe a year ago. Because again, you know, the QO is better than completely overpaying a guy and throwing a bunch of money out the window. But um, it, it's not a good outcome, right? Because that guy then he's got a no trade clause for the rest of the year because his bird rights won't transfer over so even if he does consent to a trade the other team can't you know they need cap space to sign him to to basically a big contract so it's just like the guy basically becomes like kind of worthless as an asset and unless you are holding out hope that he's going to prove himself and you're going to re-sign him the following summer um which again at that point like seems kind of weird because you basically have told him you don't value him or don't trust him or you know for whatever reason you're not willing to give him a big deal yeah it seems like if you're giving a qo you're pretty much locking in that you know a year from now this guy's going to leave so it's not a good it's not a good outcome that's for sure um it's i guess you could say you know you could certainly argue that it is better than giving jabari parker tons of guaranteed money and having him you know get hurt or never to you know really find his i was just gonna raise my hand and say that uh, yeah, because from a team from a team perspective, you know, like it's not good because you obviously would obviously the team is thinking, well, we're not going to make a mistake. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a weird, certainly a weird spot to be in. And and by the way, I also I don't think I, I think Jabari's passing is fine. He's not a ball stopper. I, that was the one thing they mentioned that I, I kind of disagreed with. I mean, not that he's some next level passer, but I don't think Budenholzer is going to look at Jabari and be like, oh, that guy can't play for me because he isn't a good enough passer um you know he's a 250 pound bowling ball of a human being like he's fine jabari's an interesting passer yeah he sometimes just gets in his head he's gonna pass and he Correct. Like, does it like he just sort of like 
you know, ends up like giving the ball to John Henson 20 feet from the hoop on like a nice pass. But it's like, wait, that's not the guy you should pass to. But he's also like, I mean, he can throw all the oops. He can occasionally yeah. look like comfortable in the pick and roll. Yeah, he can do stuff, and he's got some feel, but it's sometimes like a little bit whimsical and weird the way he passes. Yeah, and it, it always feels like there's just there's an on and off switch that yeah. either when he catches the ball, it's immediately going to get swung to someone, no matter who. Like you said, like it could be John Henson, and it's like, well, don't swing to him. Like you can stop the ball there, and then other times there will be a little bit of ball. I don't know. He's I still don't really understand Jabari Parker. Um, Maybe I'll figure it out. Uh, But I think what's interesting there is one that the Bucks, Zach is hearing that the Bucks are legitimately worried Parker will take his qualifying offer. Like to me, that makes it seem as though that is an actual possibility. Um, And like you said, we wouldn't have thought that. I mean, I don't even know if I would have thought that two months ago when the season ended that he would accept a qualifying offer. Like, even in those two months, I feel like this is uh, kind of a change of, uh, of the way that I was viewing all of this. So I thought that was legitimately quite interesting. Um, and then as far as outcomes and how it could all go, I, I think to me, the worst outcome is overpaying Jabari Parker with a bunch of guaranteed money. And it doesn't work out like that is that to me is number one on on bad outcomes. Number two is, is it then a qualifying offer? Is there something else in between there? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of tough to figure that out. Um, but I think the qualifying offer is interesting because one, it, like you said, it almost guarantees that he won't return to the Milwaukee Bucks. But to me, from the other perspective, I mean, if he is motivated if he is in a contract year, if he does know that this is his final chance at getting a monster payday, I mean, that seems like a a pretty interesting player. A Jabari Parker that is motivated in all those ways and knows that this is the best way for him to get a contract, even if it's only for one year, I feel like that could be extremely helpful uh, next season. So uh, for the long term, maybe it hurts your your assets and it hurts the possibility of building something uh, from either Jabari Parker or Jabari Parker's asset value. Um, but for one year, it could end up being uh, to be, it could end up being a really big help. So I think it's really interesting and I'm kind of surprised that we are in that spot. And part of the reason why I'm kind of surprised is another report from, I believe it was Jason Jones and then, NBC Sports Sacramento, I believe, confirmed it that they're hearing whispers that the Kings would think about throwing a serious offer at Jabari Parker. Um, And then, you know, obviously at any moment, you kind of have to balance, one, what is a serious offer, two, how serious is serious enough to get the Bucks to not match it, how serious is not quite serious enough that the Bucks do match it and how serious is not even serious enough for Jabari Parker to think that he should sign that offer sheet with you, right? Like you have to figure it's a strange calculus to try to figure out. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, look at like Andrew Wiggins a year ago, right? Um, Andrew Wiggins is going to get paid close to 30 million a year and he's just not a guy who really, <laughs> he's not good. 
who really helps you win games and and maybe he does improve he obviously has i think the tools to do so but again like i mean man paying 30 million a year to a player you have to be really good mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to be really good and nobody's talking about jabari getting 30 million a year or anything like that um but again like if it's you know 15 million 16 million 18 million whatever it is i mean something in that ballpark you you have to be good and so yeah i mean i think the worst case scenario is not that Jabari Parker walks for nothing. I think the worst case scenario is you completely overpay Jabari and then he, you know, has knee problems, he's always hurt, or, you know, he doesn't fit in, doesn't mesh well, you know, they don't they can't make the the kind of threesome of Middleton Giannis and, and Jabari work for whatever reason and blah blah blah. Um and then yeah, and then you've got lots of like kind of um then lots of sort of gradations beyond that, right? I mean, the positive, I think, depending on how much you like Jabari Parker, you'd say the positive is either you just sign and trade him for for something of value and you avoid, you know, making a mistake and maybe you get something for him, maybe not a lot. Um, or if you like Jabari Parker, you know, there's some number that I'm sure a lot of people would be happily willing to pay him. Um, and I think, again, I think it's very possible that number that he goes for this summer might be a lot lower than certainly people expected a year ago. Certainly, what we expected a couple of years ago. Man, uh, I'm wondering. But, I'm wondering, and maybe this is a, a signal of how far things or how much things have changed. But I'm wondering if the Bucks even. I don't think they're going to put out that three for fifty four anymore. And that was a yeah. number that like Jabari disputed that he was ever offered, and uh, Jabari in an interview said like, man, that'd be nice if I would have got that offer or something. Right. Like he, he said that. So if you're the bucks, I, I wouldn't start there. No. <laughs> if you're, if you're as a, as a good negotiator, I'm not starting at the point. I know you'll take on the record. You have said you will take three for 54 that you would have loved that offer. Now, did Mark Bartlestein say that? No, uh, it was Jabari Parker. And maybe he spoke out of class a little bit, but I just think if you're the Bucks, like you got to start much lower than that, right? And again, that's why I just see this going on forever because I think there's going to be a massive difference in you know how those two parties view his value. Yeah, and again, I mean, I, I think, I think, and again, like Jabari, obviously, I think as a person, you you wish you could find a way to make make all this work, um, and I just don't know if if they will, um, and it's difficult. Yeah. Cause if you try to play hardball, are you going to upset Jabari Parker? Are you going to yeah. make Jabari Parker feel like I'm not wanted here? This is just the latest insult, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and I just want to go someplace else and start over, which I don't know. I wouldn't blame him by, by any stretch. No. Um, and at that point, you know, maybe he's willing to, to take a, a, a modest, more modest contract with another team just to get away. In which case that probably works out well for the bucks in the sense that, you know, again, if teams are running short on cap space and other teams are like, well, we don't want to pay you a $20 million and potentially have to, you know, sign and trade for you and give up stuff on top of paying that for you. So, again, maybe there is a possibility that he signs and trades um, to another team, but it's not for a ton of money. And as a result, that team is willing to give up something to the Bucks, and, you know, they don't have to ship a bunch of money to the Bucks. And How long know, does a sign and trade later. contract need to be? Uh, three years, but three they can years. include. Okay. It doesn't have to be all guaranteed. I think two years have to be guaranteed, if I remember correctly. So, okay. um, so yeah, you can't do like a one-year sign and trade or something like that. Um, so anyway, um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, there's just a lot of permutations we might see. And again, I, I think you know all these teams thinking about Jabari. Um, 
I don't know. It's going to be really interesting, especially with the knee history. Um, you know, like you're not offering Jabari Parker 60 or $80 million sight unseen. Um, no. You, you really want to understand the physical condition of his knee and, and what kind of risk there is. And um, again, he's he's a pretty rare guy in the sense that he's come back, come back from twice completely tearing his ACL. And so, I mean, credit to him for doing that and looking as athletic as he did last year. But there's risk, right? And it's not just the ACL, it's other stuff and you know he yep. broke his foot and he broke his foot in high school and never i don't think he ever had surgery for it so i mean there's all you know there's kind of a, a bunch of stuff that you know again i mean we've we've seen guys you know coming off the draft right you see guys get red flag for various reasons and certainly a guy coming off two acl tears in college um again not being a doctor but i mean that's the kind of guy you'd expect some teams to just sort of say eh, you know what we're we're we're, we're good and so we'll see Certainly, I think different teams are going to put very different, you know, thresholds for risk on on going after a guy like Jabari. And um, you know, I I think regardless of of what you think the Bucks should do, you know, I'm rooting for the guy. I hope he kind of figures it. out. I hope he stays healthy first and foremost. And I hope he kind of figures it out. Um, but again, I just I just don't know if if that's going to be in Milwaukee, especially with you know some really pressing financial decisions to make over the next few years. All right. I believe that is all the news that we had, all the things that we were trying to get caught up on. Frank, correct me if I'm wrong. Otherwise, I'm going to keep talking. I believe that is all we had. And I think Jabari is going to be a large part of the conversations that we have in the next couple of days as we try to preview the free agent uh, market and we try to preview you know, what the Bucks might possibly be able to do, what could happen. Uh, I think we'll probably almost have to take two paths, right? Where, you know, maybe, or maybe three, like one where there's a qualifying offer for Jabari one where there's a middle level offer for Jabari and um, you know then maybe one where there's no Jabari on the Bucks anymore and I think because I think those are all possibilities but it all swings with Jabari Parker so we will talk about all of that in the next two days thank you so much for joining us for today for Frank Men I'm Eric Name this has been Lockdown Bucks we will talk to you tomorrow